Blog Talk Radio. non-binary it is time once again for the tipping point our special guest ace haven and quite possibly amy haven but your hostess with the mostest i'm stephen platinum and joined as always by the venerable durable and adorable Larry Goodman. How you doing tonight, Larry? Oh, that's sweet. Now I'm adorable. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to do Tipping Point. I'm glad that we have something, I think, very topical and interesting to talk about. Just things are opening up, Larry. Um, how do you feel yeah. about that? Well, you know, it, it was inevitable that they that they would as you've pointed out in your um full disclosure you know what whether regardless of what anybody thinks about it it's going to happen people are they have all this pent up energy and pent up frustration and pent up from being in the house all the time that you know we're going to open up come hell or high water and we'll we'll see how it goes i enjoyed yeah. going to uh, to athens on saturday night just to get out in the atmosphere of a show, of a live show again and you know, I, I guess, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that. Um, it had to feel great, right? I mean, just to sort of be part of a thing. I, you know, it's been so long since I've done an activity like that. Um, I saw where WXW. I guess they they've acquired enough money that they're gonna stay open. Um, you know, the, that's, that's the part of the thing Chico Adams talked about, right? And uh, they're having a show on Saturday, and I would be lying if I said that there wasn't a part of me that's like, God, I kind of want to go to that. It's not practical at all, and I'm broke as a joke, but I was like, man, I, just to feel what it was like to to be part of a show again. Did Did people know who you were? Did anybody sort of approach you and talk to you and that kind of thing? They did. They did. I had never been there before, and whoever was running the box office knew me right away. And a couple of the um, wrestlers that I had never met knew me, knew who I was without without meeting me, um, which was kind. Of, which is always interesting. To, to I guess it's like you know people see the photos on Facebook or whatever, and they say, "Oh, we know who you are." Um, but the other thing was that uh, it was it was really nice to, to talk to Jimmy Oxendine. Uh, yeah. who, by the way, is, is doing much better physically. You know, he was in rough shape, and um, he's yeah, lost he a lot of weight. He feels good. He looks good. That was a real pleasure. And um, talking to Asriel and Jonathan Feltner and, 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 and Diana Michelle, it was fun. That, that was fun. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, I had a good time out there. Yeah, um, I mean, 
such an interesting group of people too, right? I mean, you could tell it's just one of those where like Feltner was just like, I got to go to a wrestling show, <laughs> you know, and like probably, probably Diana Michelle as well. And just like, man, I need to, I need to get out there and, and, uh, Goes. I, I mean, I bet Diana Michelle stood up, stood out amongst that crowd. Like, oh my God, you know, that's a that's an oasis. <laughs> that's an oasis in the desert, I imagine. <laughs> yes. Well, she was very quiet about it. She sat towards the back, and then you know, was no nothing nothing flashy about her appearance there. Um, and but I felt you know I felt perfectly safe out there, and I'm you know I. I'm going to feel safe, I, I believe, going to Anarchy this Saturday, which is the other breaking news, is they're going to run a full-scale show mm. uh, this Saturday. It's it's not only going to be the two empty arena matches that they had originally planned for Saturday night, it's going to be a six-match card. Um, and, yeah. You know, they're, they're going to start at six, so they're not going to have the problems that Southern Violence did with crappy lighting once it got dark. They'll be done with, yeah. by, by then. And... Um, you know they're going to use that parking lot space that they've done. They've done matches out before. It's not a huge space, so I don't know about like the spacing out of the people out there. How exactly that's going to fly? But um, you know, well, they, they... I, saw, I saw a thing. I don't, I don't know if you saw it when they they made an announcement not that long ago about it, and um, they said that people, if they felt safe too, they're welcome to stay in their cars which I thought was very interesting. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think if you've got a few people staying in their cars, it's easy enough to space people out. Now, like you said, how many people are you going to get to watch the thing? Um, I think, I think they're going to do fine though. I would just imagine if they even half promote it. I think a lot of people, I mean, and this is not a knock at Southern violence. They did a show. They did really well. If they're like, it was about two, 250 people. Would you say? Yeah. Larry? 250 was an yeah. honest, was an honest number. Yeah. 250 is an honest number, um, which is amazing. I mean, Anarchy won't do that much, but I think there's a different kind of wrestling fan that'll be really excited about Anarchy. I I would say half the people that are going to watch this thing are going to be the the boys. I mean, I I think there's just going to be a bunch of wrestling people who are just like, damn, dude, I need to get out there to Anarchy, you know? Well, I can tell you that Rick was not real enthused about doing another um, empty arena show. And right. he just he just decided to float the idea to see how much interest there would be in people coming out for a show, and the interest was really strong. So oh, that's when that's when they decided, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's just do a regular show outside. And, and frankly, frankly, anarchy because the way they've dealt with everything for the last three months, they they deserve to not only be one of the first shows that run, they deserve to do really well. I, I don't, I, you know, they provided one of the few sort of shining moments of the last two or three months with that empty arena match that they did with uh, Shane Marks and the the champ Griff. I, I mean, they, they did such a good job with that. And yeah, it would have been fine if they did another empty arena, but quite frankly, uh, it's just exciting. I know the boys are excited. Matt Sells dropped a hint that he was going to be there. Now, if that means whether he's booked at a match or not, who knows? Uh, but I would just imagine that that's the case. And if so, I think that's exciting. I, you know, I know that they had visions of their first show back with a crowd of being um, hardcore hell, right? Hardcore hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this is being billed as hardcore hell or no, not. It is not. 
Uh, I think it's smart not to. I think it's smart to back off of that a little bit because um, this way they can have some fun with the show. So if you get people who normally don't wrestle there to show up and do a match, if you, you know, if they, if because they have six matches, if there's a lot of interest and a lot of people who want to jump in, if they do some kind of scramble thing or whatever, I think it's awesome. You know, I, I don't think this is about, because the two feature matches have all the storyline and angle in the world behind them. Right. Right. You're talking about uh, Adrian Hawkins against uh, Todd Sexton, which they've built proper uh and made it very personal it's very memphis right um they made that very personal and then i mean hankins and bill barons all that weight behind it all of that uh, pathos all of the meaning you know the, the winner gets control of the company all that kind of great stuff so the other four matches as far as i'm concerned just let it fly have fun you know yeah so yeah and just going back to the whole opening of wrestling in general in Georgia, you know, we, and I know you've you've already touched this in, in, on some of your podcast appearances, but in, from my conversation with Matt Woodruff from the commission, you know, I did not realize until I talked with him that his view is, and it may be just the fact of it is, they don't have the power to regulate wrestling any more than they're regulating it without action of the General Assembly. So the only thing I would say to anybody who's promoting wrestling in Georgia, don't do anything stupid that gets some legislators interested in what you're doing or some people get upset and contact a legislator because that's the only way there's going to really be more regulation of wrestling in Georgia is if something like that happens. Wrestling benefits from its outlaw doesn't matter status. Yeah. At times it's very area. frustrating. Right. At times it's very frustrating being a wrestling fan or someone involved in wrestling because you feel marginalized, because you feel like your thing's not important. Well, this is one of the times where it benefits you greatly and how it benefits you is they don't care. <laughs> so don't do anything that makes them care. Don't yeah. snitch each other out. Let's police ourselves. And you don't even need to police yourselves per se. Be logical. Um, and and you, we, we've seen through the course of these three or four months that that the pressure of the other people in the business carries way more weight than anything else anyway. Um, when shows were really seriously thinking about running in March, the prevailing attitude became it's not cool to run. And guess what? That was enough to stop people from running. Yeah. And then when when the dam started to crack a little bit, I think Southern Violence was a good first show to do it. Technically, it was Paul Lee and AWF, but who gives a shit about them, right? I don't even know anything that happened on that show. I don't know if they had any kind of crowd. I don't know what happened. All I know is it wasn't run by a mayor. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, I think... So, Southern violence went about it the right way. I think that they, you know, when we talk about who ups up their stock, I think there's no doubt that Southern violence throughout this thing has come through with flying colors. And it, I'm going to admit something. It pains me to say it, but it is the truth, right? They went through the proper steps. Um, it was a good balance of we're going to have this exciting event with a lot of people, attending it, but everybody's going to be sufficiently protected. La, 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 la. They, they towed the line, they made it work. 
and they've really set the pace for what the thing is going to be for the other groups. And can you believe in 2020, if at the beginning of 2020, Larry, that we were going to say, great job, Southern violence. <laughs> and you showed everybody else how to do it. <laughs> I mean, who had that on their 2020 bingo card, Larry? And Not really. they did it. <laughs> And, and, I mean, they had detractors who they dealt with publicly. They had people trying to stab them in the back who had to come crawling to them and kiss their ass after. Could anything feel better for Ryan Murdoch, Justin, and company than guys yeah. who were obviously trying to hamstring them, having to come around and, and say how great it was for wrestling? Oh, my God. He must have been hugging himself and rolling around on the ground like a dog on freaking new grass i mean i kudos to them and i have a feeling anarchy is going to absolutely kill it i think they're going to get as i think they will get a proper crowd response as well because it's not as big and spread out and i mean the first time when bill barons and uh matt hankins go at it whatever they have planned that whatever the big twist is going to be or the first big move those guys take, um, I think it's going to get a reaction like we haven't heard in a long, long time. And I'm very excited for that. And Todd and Adrian, I think if they put on a, a real nasty kind of match, um, and those two guys are so good in the ring, right? They, they tell the right story. They don't let it go too long. And they shoot off some fireworks while they're wrestling. I think that they're golden too. It's very exciting. I wish I could go, honestly. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be really good. Hey, before we bring Ace on, I got a podcast recommendation yeah. for you. Um, oh, the last episode of Dutch Mantel's podcast. He's got Disco Inferno as his guest, and what caught my ear was early in his career, one of Disco's jobs or one of his uh, uh, tours was driving for Jake Roberts oh boy. in Mid-South. And I thought about you, and he talks about that on there, uh, what, what it was like being Jake's driver. So I, I thought you might find that entertaining. It's a good show overall. Yeah. If, you, if you have any interest in, in uh, Disco's early career and his start in Georgia, all that, it's, that, that part was pretty interesting to me because I, I knew when he was out at the auction barn as Glenn Gilbernetti and so forth, um, but I didn't realize how he got the you know the the disco inferno thing started and all that. So if you got any interest, check it out. But yeah, he he definitely has some things to say about Jake on there that I think you might find interesting. Little tease for my Patreon. Now you've inspired my next Patreon video, um, Larry. Uh, disco Inferno was there when I opened up the school in College Park, Georgia, in two thousand and one. I will tell that story on Patreon for my Patreon subscribers, and I'll be sure to send you the link, Larry. It is a phenomenal story. Yes. It was supposed to be Disco Inferno and Francine, but Francine couldn't make it because this happened right around 9-11. So Francine couldn't get out. But Disco Inferno was local, so he just drove down. Damn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've got uh, Mr. Um, Ace Haven waiting in the wings here. Let's bring him yes, on. Sir. The booker, promoter, mastermind behind Pro South Wrestling. He's joining us now. Ace Haven is on the line. Welcome to the Tipping Point, sir. Hello, gentlemen. How are you tonight? 
Doing good, man. I'm going to ace right off the jump. I'm going to put a title on you that I don't know if anybody has ever given you before. I'm going to give you a title right now. (laughs) So the title that I'm giving you, if this was the old WWF, we'd say that you won it in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. But the title that I'm going to give you is this. I don't think there is a single person in Georgia wrestling now who has defied more expectations and turned around more negative opinions than you have. And that's quite a feat. I was thinking about that when Larry said that we were going to have you on. And I was like, what's the thing that makes Ace really different? I'm like, you know, there's so many guys who used to talk shit about you. And, uh, and people have not only come around, you made them come around. Um, And you deserve tons of credit for it. I know you're too humble to really think that what I'm saying is true, but I think it's absolutely true. And that's an amazing thing. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, you're right, I believe. I I definitely (laughs) can say that a lot of people hated me for a very long time. Um, Some of it unjustified, some of it justified. I was an asshole. Um, You know, I was an arrogant 18-year-old kid that had literally just been handed everything. So, yeah, I'm sure I rubbed quite a few people the wrong way, and I'm sure I stepped on quite a few toes. Uh, Like I said, some of it intentional, some of it not. But, yeah, it definitely happened. Yes. Speaking of stepping on toes, Larry, I know you're chomping at the bit to ask Ace what's going on. I'm dying to know, despite Mr. Platinum's dire predictions about pro wrestling in Alabama, you've been able to get running again and plan to come back regularly. How did you pull that off given the restrictions, you know, of the current Alabama Athletic Commission? For real. Okay, well, I will speak some blasphemy right now, uh, and it it can be recorded for everyone to know forever. I don't think the commission guidelines are that unfair. Um, okay. Okay. I, I I really don't believe they're that unfair. Uh, yeah, having to get a COVID nineteen test every week for me is going to personally get a little old. But I have so chosen to run the schedule that I run. You know, the wrestlers that perform for us, they've so chosen to work with the schedule that we have, so they know this going in. Great point. You know. You know it going into it, and you know how much you're going to run. So you know where these tests are going to be. There's free places to get these tests. You know, yeah, you're going to wait a while. Yeah, you're going to go out in public. Whatever. You're going to do professional wrestling. You're very not much worried about being at risk anyway. So go to your state health department. Get you a free test. It's handled. The the actual event guidelines, once you filter out all the crap that's for boxing and MMA because they're, they can't be bothered to change and separate those into two different, you know, categories, combat sports and, you know, performance arts. Um, yeah. But once you actually filter the combat sports rules out of it, things that we're not going to need like cornermen and judges and sanitized, you know, padding and et cetera, et cetera. Once you take all yeah. that out, it's really not that different than what we're already dealing with commission-wise down here. Um, you know, I, I've seen online there's some frustration amongst the promoters about, you know, one event per day. Huh. Again, 
Oh, so you got oh, like only one event can happen in the state per day. So, so in other words, not only did you get in first, I assume you sly motherfucker that you probably booked every goddamn Friday for the rest of the year, didn't you? The ones that were available, yes. We did lose a you few DVDs. Son of a bitch. Yes, Fridays belong to us. Um, oh, you know, early, early bird, motherfuckers! Early bird, motherfuckers! I people are gonna bitch and moan about that. Early bird, oh, motherfuckers! Yeah. Well, I was prepped before the guidelines were ever dropped. Um, I've been in constant com- communication with the commission ever since, yeah. since before the, the stuff even shut down. Because um, we 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 knew it was coming. I, it was obvious. You know, if you've been out and about in public, you have already seen this coming. That. COVID-19 was going to shut down pro wrestling, at least temporarily. They knew this was going to happen. So they've been working on these guidelines, and I own my own venue, so they're very interested in the guidelines when it comes to me because I fall under the entertainment guidelines by having my own venue, whereas wrestling is considered athletics in Alabama. So I have two different sets of guidelines to follow. Um, You know, and I'm following those myself with no help, you know, obviously from the venue there because I am the venue. So... If I don't think the regulations are that harsh and that unrealistic, I really can't see where anyone else that has to rent a venue and the venue is going to handle the other half of the guidelines for them. I cannot really see why it's such a big deal besides the one event a day thing. But again, they posted that literally weeks ago, and it's now taken everyone a month to realize that means we can only run one show a day. Yes. Oh, Alabama wrestling. That's what that means. And that's why Ace Haven had his permits in the mail a week ago. Wow. Mm. So, Ace, before all this transpired, you know, you're basically transitioning into being primarily a YouTube, uh, you know, live stream product and you know you weren't really drawing many live fans in any case well how are you looking at things now going forward you know i i don't see it affecting us as much you know even with the social distancing guidelines and people staying inside it's really just going to drive traffic to our youtube stream so Mm -hmm. in the end you know i think it's going to come out about the same for us um I, i don't that major of a change in terms of the way we do business. Um, you know, like I said, we've lost a few Fridays, and, and, and that sucks in terms of like the ticket sales that we would get, but we're still going to produce content for those weeks. We're still going to get episodes up for those weeks. So, you know, we'll still have the, the online stream and the media and, you know, the, the Patreon and, and the things like that that we use to supplement our income. So I feel like it's not really going to affect us from the business point of view. We just had to get back open and start putting people back in this arena. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I was talking to I'm, – I'm here in Clearwater um, on one of my training somebody in wrestling gigs, and um, we were talking about it. And I, I mentioned we were talking to you, and, you know, you're the first wrestling group that's going to open in Alabama. And he just went, 
oh my god he goes she goes how would you describe that show i'm like it was already a boy's paradise i think the guys that you have wrestling for your show really appreciate that show and they get a lot of freedom but they also get like a firm booking hand at the same time it's that good balance already i go now he'll be able to pick and choose because the show already had a good rep going into all the covid stuff and this will just enhance the reputation and so i you're 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 in a really great spot you're not really having to modify what you do and that i mean there's nobody else who's going to be able to say that for at least a month or two i would imagine exactly and a lot of promoters are even and you know it wrestling is all is so much talk but a lot of promoters are actually speaking of moving out of the state and moving to another state that has less like less regulations and running there you know so it, it, it could not only right now but down the line it could completely open the state up for us do you, um, in terms of your talent roster, if just looking at the poster, it looks like you got most of your your, your regular guys back. Is is that the case? Yes, most most, if not, I I would say, Larry, just off the top of my head, ninety percent of our active roster is is coming back right off the bat. Um, you know, so Great. we're in terms of characters and defined characters and, and that kind of such. You know, we're going to hit the ground and be right back almost essentially where we were. Um, so, again, Stephen made a great point. This is barely going to affect what we're already doing. You know, that it, it's not really going to affect us very much. And it, we're just going to we're going to hit the ground and just keep going with it. And I think it's going to blow people's minds how how well we ultimately end up doing in the situation. Well, you, I mean, you and I talk uh, uh, right at the start of the, the COVID, and, and I said, you know, you're, you're as positioned as well as anyone to run empty arena matches. Now, of course, that's not the way it actually played out. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's barely going to impact the way you operate. Absolutely. And if, you get, and if you get more attention on your live stream, so much the better. Exactly. And, you know, think of the, the archival footage you know, down the line, if we are able to get some people that aren't, that don't typically come through the area, you know, that may end up going on to do bigger things. And, and we've got that just sitting in the, you know, in the wings waiting to use down the line. So it, there's a lot of great opportunities coming up with it. We, you know, I'm just curious about Piedmont too. It's kind of its own place off in its own little area of the state isolated. How has COVID impacted or not impacted just the Piedmont area? You know, it's crazy. People are still out. You know, people are out. Um, you know, our local Walmart's packed with people. It's packed with people and their kids. Uh, you know, very little mask, very little coverage. There's just there doesn't really seem to be a fear of it in yeah. my surrounding area. Mhm. Mhm. Did, did you get any cases in Piedmont? I don't know the the specific metrics for Piedmont, but I do know that Calhoun County, which is which encompasses us, only has 180 total active cases. So okay. you know that's that's a pretty large area, and you know it's it's something like maybe maybe less than one percent of Calhoun County that has a current ongoing case. And I think the last report I read said there's only 15 new cases in the past over the past two weeks. So our, our numbers are going down. Um, so I, I don't feel like there's going to be any kind of like a fear or a public backlash of, 
you know, shut that down, or we're not going to that. I think, you know, there's people that don't want to go. They're just going to stay home. I don't think there's going to be, like, an active movement to to close it down, shut it off. Well, you know, before you came on, we were, I was talking about going to the show in Athens on uh, Saturday night, and I certainly didn't see any of that there. Not a hint right. even of, of concern out there. Yeah, and, and it's, I think it's going to be the same way. And, again, you know, you can put all the guidelines onto this if you want to, but I said it in my Facebook post. A lot of this boils down to personal responsibility. You know, if you feel you're at risk, you're going to stay home, or you're going to do, or you're going to take precautions to hopefully protect yourself when you are not at home and when you're out and about and when you're having to be around people. And if you don't feel like you're at risk, you're not going to do anything. So a lot of it's just going to boil down to your own personal responsibility and how how do you feel about your health and your situation. And you're going to react accordingly. Uh, I'm going to take a little left turn here and ask you a little bit about your uh, booking philosophy. I've been very curious about the way you book things there, and I know often you're up against uh, last-minute, book-on-the-fly situations. How do you approach booking uh, ProSouth? Well, you know, the biggest the biggest hurdle that I think completely changes everything we do because – I, I do not believe at any point in time that it's fair to take, for example, a weekly pro South show and lay it on the table against a monthly Southern Honor show, or even the you know twice a month Peach State when it's when it's typically running, um, because the schedule is different. You know the the, the weekly schedule is going to cause things to be more episodic. It's going to cause it to be more about you know, advancing a story to the next week and less about fill time, fill content, because it's not what we're doing. You know, we we run a pretty tight ship. You know, we usually run actual content time about an hour and a half, sometimes two on a bigger event. So, you know, our thing is going to be let's advance our storylines. Let's not go 10 or 15 minutes with our matches, you know, and there, there's a lot of reasons you don't do that. Um, uh, I'm going to dare say that, Mr. Platinum, that Ace is the closest thing to what you were doing at uh, at Platinum Championship Wrestling in terms of frequency of running. Who else runs that frequently? Nobody. Who runs I mean, and, well, and I mean, I'm sure Ace would attest to this. Like, PCW running as often as it did. And keep in mind, at our height, we were running – minimum nine shows a month. So every Tuesday, every Friday, and then once a month at the masquerade and once a month at a different venue, like I drum and things like that. Larry would remember all those spots. And um, I got better. (laughs) I got better at running shows. I got, and that's when PCW was, it consumed my life. Cause if we weren't doing a show, we had practice um, and training, right? So it was wrestling right. every day, all day. I was mm-hmm. doing booking sheets for all of those, and um, I got better. The guys obviously got better, but I got better um, at how to run a show, what I liked, what I didn't like. I had a chance to try things and fail. I think I see that a lot in um, in what uh, what Ace is doing, where it's like they try stuff out. They try different ways of getting heat. They let, you know – the left-hand pass, um, do they knock everything out of the park, especially in the beginning? Probably not, but you know what? You, you, then you try this, then you try that, and the guys will invariably get better if that's the goal. 
and I think there at Pro South it is the goal. You can have places that are that are like that are not like Pro South that are shit shows. And they can run all the shows that they want, but if there's no adult in the room sort of holding them to a standard of we got to get better, um, it's not going to get better. But at Pro South, they have the kind of guys who take sort of personal pride in doing better and better and better. Um, you know, you'd, when you got guys like Huck on that show, I saw that Joe Black was really interested in doing the show. And then you have guys with, let's be, face it, with chips on their shoulders, either because of things that I've said or whatever, Awesome. <laughs> That's exactly who you want is you want to have a little bit of the fuck you mentality. Uh, we don't talk about that a lot, but PCW, we certainly had it. How many speeches did the guys have to listen to where I was like, right now it's anarchy and it's um, rampage and it's us. We're number three. Fuck being number three. Fuck those guys. I, you know how many times they had to hear me say that in a locker room? Like, fuck those guys. <laughs> like, we're coming for them. And they loved it. And pro-South, it's the same kind of attitude, same kind of personnel that they've got. And uh, guys who are really confident in what they're doing because they're getting to do what they want to do. And um, how are you not going to get better? I think it's wonderful. Yeah, and, and there's a there's a mindset, and it's, kind of a lackadaisical mindset, but at the same time, you know, we keep a very serious and, and, you know, firm thinking on it. But with a lot of things that we can do on the weekly product, it's unlike a monthly show where every segment has to play just right and every yeah. segment has to get the appropriate reaction because this is the reaction that's going to bring them back to blah, blah, blah in a month when so-and-so faces so-and-so in the Lumberjack match for whatever belt it is this week. We don't have to deal with that because in a lot of our situations, we can have a segment and go, look, let's try it. We can try this here because guess what? If it don't work, if it bombs, we've got three weeks to salvage this before we're having a payoff match. Or we have two weeks to salvage this. Or guess what? They're going to come back out later in the night and they're going to do something else. So if this bombs, if we try this and this bombs, it's okay we can clean it up. But let's you know, put something out there that will bomb that we can't clean up. That's one yeah. of the things I enjoy about watching your show is that you can take you take risks and yeah, they don't. Some of them bomb. Some of them work great. But you can take them because yeah, like you just said, you're not depending on every sentence, uh, segment hitting a home run. Exactly. They don't have to. And and that also I think is a pressure that comes off of the boys too. Because it allows them to kind of be a little more comfortable, cut back some, and you'd be amazed at what sometimes some some people work great under pressure, some people don't. So you know, having a more laid back atmosphere like pro stuff, where they're like, you know, I really do want to knock it out of the park. I really do want to have the best segment on the show. But if it bombs, a the crowd's not going to chew me up and spit me back out, and b it's going to be okay because ace and the boys. Yeah. And I say the boys because. While I, I do have the final say, I'm the booker, I'm the mastermind, whatever crap y'all want to do the intro with me with, I do a little bit of booking, and then I bounce past it over to the other people that's going to be involved, and I let them mm-hmm. turn turn it and change it into a few things. And then it comes back to me, and then I pass it through three or four more people. And by the time that idea actually gets onto the YouTube stream, it's probably went through a dozen people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, and you know what that does. Sometimes that kind of thing makes for a very washed out, mealy mouth product. In your case, there are guys. I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to like hurt their feelings or whatever. There are guys who lose more on your show 
than they've lost for the entirety of their wrestling career outside of Pro South in a year. And you know why that's happening? It's because the guys want to put other guys over. That's the prevailing feeling at Pro South. I look at the results and I go like, look at this motherfucker losing again. You know, and so I'm like, it's because I can see it. They're, because everybody in the locker room's cool with each other. They want to help each other out. And the guys who take more of a senior position are like, let me put this guy over. Let me work a program with this guy and put him over at the end. I can see it as plain as day when I look at those, look at the results of the shows. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of a healthy show. Where you don't have, I mean, because those once a month shows, everyone feels like a fucking pay per view, and they think it's a exactly. strength. I like Southern Honor and Southern, like they always brag about that stuff. Every every match is amazing, and I'm just like, yeah, that sucks. Like I don't want to watch. I mean, <laughs> it's like when I watch Raw, it's so hard to watch because it's three hours, and every wow. match, everything feels like the biggest deal in the world. Where it's like. Fuck, is it really though? Like, uh, you know, like you can't, we can't have so and so lose. That takes a lot of the air out of the balloon when you only have a show once a month. I mean, right. guess what? Gunner Miller's not losing, right? Like, <laughs> like I know that. And then, and that's a problem. Like, but if he was wrestling, if Southern Honor was doing a show once a week, then we'd get to see like Gunnar Miller mow through this guy and mow through this guy. And then we'd get to see like different feuds develop slowly. Instead, everything has to be a big move all the time. Everything is sort of like big moves, broad strokes, whereas you get a chance to move things along slowly. If so-and-so is going to turn on so-and-so on the future, that's something that you could just drop a little hint and then you can kind of move it along and maybe they almost split up, but then they don't like you can play with all of that. You don't have to turn the wheel left and right so hard. And uh, I think pro South is really beginning this. It's beginning to figure itself out. And this is a great time to come back and do it, you know? Right. And you know, the turning analogy is is a great example of that because when you're making such harsh turns like that, when you wreck, it's worse. And we're not making harsh turns. We're making, you know, we're making easier, slower turns. We're making grandma turns. And so when we wreck, it's okay. We pull a couple of dents out of the fender, we go on. And it's <laughs> hard to go down that. You know, it's fine. I, hey, I know I, you enjoyed uh, developing talent there and nurturing talent. Who comes to mind in terms of the guys you feel good about in terms of how they've developed during their time at Pro South? I think Silva is a great example of that, um, and I don't think Silva's anywhere near where, where he's going to top out at. I, I will say this, and I've said it publicly to him, so it's not like it's going to be news to him. But when when Silva came to us, he was trash. He was bad. Yeah. He was really bad, and he'll admit that. He knows he was bad, um, you know. And he got challenged here, and some of the challenges he did really well in, and some of them he did poorly in. But I will say to him, the testament to, to Eric Silva is that he never put his head down, he never got demotivated, and he never quit putting in the work. And you can see that now. And, you know, you brought up the path earlier. I think that's a great example because when the path was babyface, when they first turned babyface, I remember getting messages from Larry, and I'm going to out him. Oh, the path babyface? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. Or Eric Silva's the champion. I don't know, man. You got Trevor, and he said, you know, he just did the Japan thing, and 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 I got those from him. And I never, you know, it never deterred me from the course. I continued doing what I doing, what I was doing. And, you know, one of the last reports that I got from Goodman about Silva in the past was, you know, oh, they're starting to grow on me a little bit or something to that extent. <laughs> I may be paraphrasing. Yeah. But yeah. Simple. True. True. Um, I mean, you know, if you, you don't know, like how people feel about you, you make them change it. Yes. I mean, that's you what the guys don't understand. They don't even understand about me sometimes. They're just like, oh, Platinum said this and Platinum said that. It was fucking change my mind, asshole. Like, like I'm, you know, I'm an old dude. You can change my mind. Um, like, th- there's so few. Okay, Larry, you're going to have to check me on this. Pro South is a place where talent gets truly developed. Of course, it happens and you get experience at any promotion, blah, blah, blah. Of course, but. The shows that seem primarily where one of their prime directives is to really bring along the next generation of talent, understanding that that means they're going to get a lot of green guys who blow right away. Uh, I think Pro South fills that need. APW, of course, certainly fills that need. And to a lesser extent, Anarchy does. And, you know, maybe a little bit of PCW, but for the most part, there are few and far between are the places where you can wrestle for a good show and get developed. Would you agree with that assessment? Are there any names that I'm forgetting or am I, at, or, I or am I putting one in that doesn't deserve to be there? Those are the ones that I would think of. The ones, the ones you mentioned, yeah, yeah particularly in Georgia, particularly anarchy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, APW, a lot of guys get shots. I just don't see where they have a lot of guys up there that really advance to the next level, but that's just me. Right. I mean, but, you know, in the past, certainly, right? Like with the, oh, yeah, you know, in the past. Yes, yes. Anthony Henry past, and Strick and uh, Shug and guys like that. That's that's how you get but, in, that's how you got into Anarchy and got moved up the Anarchy. Well, now, and now it's... And now it's the nightmare factory, right? So, Ace, you have a, like, you seem to have some kind of working relationship, or or at least it sort of worked out that way, where, like, a lot of WWA4 guys come to you and that kind of thing. Do you have anything officially worked out? Like, how do you find the guys? Do you reach out? Do they reach out to you? Do they go, like, okay, if you like like me, you're going to love my friends. Like, how how did you get the crew that you've got? Well, you know, honestly, like, I – I don't know Fox that well. Uh, I've, you know, me and Fox have done a couple things in Georgia, Georgia, Georgia together. We were both at, you know, we did a couple things in Jakarta at the same time. Um, and I think he's an awesome performer, but I, I really don't know him that well. And and nothing's really been officially worked out. It's just kind of a thing of like their boys hit me up. Sometimes I hit up the boys at the school, and you know, sometimes it'll just be an open invite of I'll hit up someone like Alex Kane or Caveron or someone that I know comes through the school, and just go, hey. Bring me a couple school guys tonight. I'll give them something to do. And then I'll just let him, you know, dealer's choice. Bring me somebody. Let me see somebody, you know. Sometimes I've found, I found that way that I'll take a chance on somebody that I initially might not would have took a chance on, and sometimes it'll pay off. And Alex Kane was one of those people. I, I'll say that. Again, he knows that. When, when I first got hit up by Alex Kane, I probably ignored 15 of his messages. And then Cavron, yeah. I mean, he was appointed for, opponent for Cavron. I said, can you bring someone from the school? He brings Kane. Unbeknownst to me, Kane gets there. They have a great match. Kane's still here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just, that, just that simple. And I would have never booked him. Just 
just from what little bit I've, you know, read his, his resume, I would have never booked him. But now, you know, it, it helps me with that. So I think me and the WBA4 have a really good ex- 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 relationship in the sense of, you know, it's unofficially official, I guess. But, we, you know, we do that with uh, Robert Gibson's school as well. I get a lot of their guys, too. Yes. Hey, um, shifting yeah. gears for a minute, I know you wanted to um, touch on Peach yeah. State. You've been, you've been a regular Peach State for a while now. Um, you, you, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you hear anything about when they may start running again, for example? I haven't. I've been in a lot of contact with Sam Knowles about Peach State's return. I believe the biggest issue that he's hitting is just a roadblock with venues in his area right now. Um, mm-hmm. Because I believe the venues are more scared of the virus than people actually are, it seems. Um, but I guess, you know, they don't want that reputation if someone was to get sick from something, you know, they saw a wrestling show at the fairgrounds, I got sick. You know, I'm not really sure, but I've, you know, I've been with Peach State for eight years, and you know, only get off again for a couple, but pretty solid after that. And I'm really, I'm really picky now about where I work, and it's not, it's not a money thing or a crowd size or power thing. It really, what it is now is, I want to go somewhere that I'm passionate. About the product, I want to go somewhere that I'm passionate about the crew that's there, and I, I want it to be somewhere that I'm going to enjoy working because I don't like the word work. I don't want this to feel like I'm clocking in and I'm clocking out. I don't want it to feel like that. So I'm very picky about where I wrestle at, and that's why you don't see me on as much as you used to because I'm going to go somewhere I'm going to enjoy. And you know, right now, the three places that I enjoy the most: Pro South, Peach State, and, and New Era in Jasper. So those are my those are my shows. Those are the ones that I'm going to put everything into. I'm going to go out of my way to make them work, you know. And and whether I have you know money invested in New or Peach State or either one of those, I'm going to go into that show and operate it and perform on it and put the same kind of effort into it that I would over here at Pro South. It's mine because that's how passionate I am about their shows and that's how I feel about their product and them as promoters. You you mentioned New Era, and of course that video clip yeah. of you and Amy that went viral and has been sitting on the top of the George Wrestling History page now for months. Um, I, I got to ask about that. Um, before before you ask about this, because we're going to get into this right now, but Larry, yeah. when you say viral, some people might think that that they don't even know what that means necessarily. What are we talking about numbers wise? It it blew me away when Larry told me back in the day. Oh boy, I, I you know was it a hundred thousand? I don't remember what I was telling you back. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was more than that. Yeah, yeah. Was it? it was, was it more than a hundred thousand? Crazy, crazy. That's because Ace knocked that bitch out. Like, <laughs> if Ace didn't come with the thunder at the end, but Ace came with the thunder at the end. That was the button. So, wow, wow. What, what, what were you saying, Larry, before I did what I do and interrupted? Well, I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, crap has been said about that video, both to you, to a- to Amy, and so forth. And I just wanted to give you a chance, to, and if, if Amy's handy to, for her to, to talk about, like, to, to respond, basically, if you want to. Well, 
I'm actually not with Amy at the moment. I'm at the Pro South Arena doing work on screens and cameras and the such. Uh, she, gotcha. I, I gave her the, the information. She may call in. She's listening. She's not busy. But Let me look. The, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The, situ- the situation in Jasper, which I've affectionately nicknamed the Jasper disaster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was just it was insanity, man. And, like, I, we've been in a similar situation before that a couple of years before in Sylacauga, but it didn't it didn't escalate to that kind of level. But I knew, I knew, I had put James Phillips in the corner, and I put him in the corner, and the reaction did not swell in the way that I had intended it to. So I had figured one of two things. I had made a grave miscalculation, and the match is now bombing, or something out of my control has happened. So I look around me, and I see Amy on the ground, or I, or I believe I see Amy on the ground. I can't really see her from where I am standing in the ring looking outward. She's kind of hid by the apron, as is most of the person that is attacking her, who I, in my split-second thinking, cannot really discern who it is, if it's a man, if it's a woman, if it's Bigfoot. It's somebody over my wife striking downward. I cannot see this person's hand at the time, so I just see striking downward. So I don't know if they have a knife or what they're doing. So I go out of the ring. I attack the person who later turned out to be a woman or allegedly was a woman. Um, And then her boyfriend comes out of the crowd. He attacks me. Um, And just to clear something up, because I'm completely fine with everyone, you know, oh, Ace Haven got knocked out, whatever. I am not... I would not do very well in combat sports. I'm not even going to attempt to lie, and, and I'm not a fighter. I'm not a badass. I'm not, you know, I'm just not one. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that. I'm not cut that way. But the version of events that has went around is that when her boyfriend came out of the crowd and punched me, he knocked me out, and that was the end of it. But as more footage has come out and a different angle can show you, he actually never even hit me. He swung at me. And when he grabbed onto me, we both fell over Amy, who was behind me. So we land on top of each other, and it's chaos from there. Like people are yeah. just getting hit, um, and you know, and and only a small amount of the video has hit the internet. And I don't know if you know if that got stopped on on NEW's end, or if you know if it's just not purposely if it's just not being floated around you know intentionally i'm not sure what the case is there but what has hit the internet is about maybe 120 seconds of a 5 to 6 7 minute incident um which is probably for the best because there's a lot of guilty parties involved um but you know the the police talked to me post the event i don't you know i don't know that that this is public knowledge or really should be but the police spoke to me after the event you know nothing came down in terms of a legal thing um i spoke to the commission within you know within a week or so after it happened you know nothing came down on 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 me through the commission and so you know legally we did nothing wrong um and i think it's asinine for anyone to think that in any way that my wife was in the wrong for playing the role of a heel manager. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that in your video, but it's just completely asinine. Whether you go with the Bill Watts mentality of, well, if she couldn't defend herself, she would have been fired. A, she's a woman. I'm sure, Ms., you know, I'm sure Miss Elizabeth had a stiff right hand. You know, <laughs> what, what, what would what would Liz have done if someone had come over the barricade on her? You know, it, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous <laughs> to even use that. Yeah, I mean, she would have had a stiff drink in her right hand, maybe. <laughs> right, oh, right. Dang. You know, and, and, and now, were the situation different and where my manager, Will Huckabee, we might be having a completely different discussion right now. Right. Because surely I wouldn't have to come out of the ring and save William Huckabee because he's a gigantic man. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially if it was a fucking pie-eating contest, like, Huck is going to kill you, right? So, <laughs> but, but, I I'll mean, say it's this, the I'll say this. Yeah, yeah. If it had been Huckabee out there, I would have come out there and did the exact same thing because that's what you do when somebody's crosses the line. Yes! Exactly. You know, I, and, and I understand the thinking of the boys, but I am a little disappointed I am a little disappointed that more of the boys did not clear out um, and kind of left us in the fracas to die. But a lot of them had the good explanations because they told me, they said, you know, Ace, you're so crazy. We honestly didn't know if it was part of the show or not until it had escalated. You know, uh, Ace, my main reaction was where was security and where are the guardrails? You know, it it, it, it didn't appear to be either were – were present, and and that that you know contributed a lot to what happened. It did, and, and but I will say this, you know, I do not put any any blame on any W in this, and I know that sounds horrible because in a lot of ways it sounds like I should, you know, yeah, they did not have adequate security that night. Yeah, they did not have barricading that night. Um, you know, the barricading situation after I, I spoke to the people that worked there, you know, we got to the bottom of that. That turned out to be, you know, someone in their staff that did not do his job properly. Um, so, you know, boo him. But the barricading, you know, and, and the security thing, like, that's not typical for them. Okay. Um, and I was also told later that the fans that, because we were in a completely different venue than what we were usually in for Jasper. And I was told later that that fan had actually never been to the show before. So this isn't a, a person who was a problem person or anything like that. Um, you know, it wasn't someone that they knew to watch. It was just a thing. Hmm. Um, you know, it was just a thing that happened. And I don't know. I spoke to some people who had similar situations. You know, I spoke to Wicked. You know, because I know he's had some incidents with some fans and stuff like that, and I, I spoke to you guys about how to handle it and, you know, the easiest way to clean it up. Um, you know, none of the promoters seem mad at me about it, uh, just to, to be completely honest. It seems like some of the boys are, and most of the boys that are aren't anywhere around that would ever have to actually bump into me in a locker room. Um, so that should tell you a little bit of something. You know, it's none of the local guys that are going to see me that have a problem with it. It's people two and three states away. Um but I also still believe that literally anybody that would have been put in the same exact situation, regardless of what they say, would have likely reacted in the same exact way. And if they if they wouldn't, 
A, I would question the relationship that they have with their significant other. And secondly, to add to that, I want to know what kind of skill set you have and why you're still in wrestling because you can rationally think out a decision like that in the blink of an eye, like I had to, then you, your talents are definitely being wasted in wrestling. You need to be like an FBI negotiator or a bomb diffuser <laughs> or something like that. You need to be in <laughs> Hey, Steve, I mean, you it was you great, you wanna... Go ahead. It was Sorry. a yeah, it was a great wrestling thing. I think it's it's played out well, and quite frankly, I can't wait to see how it continues to play out. I mean, it's absolutely you know, God, did I ever grab a fan at PCW and drag them into the locker room? Yes. Did I ever yes. slap a freaking fan in the face? Sorry, Harold J. Taylor. Yes. <laughs> like I. Many, many, many times. You know, did I did I stop being the trainer at WWA four for those that didn't know that? Because you know, some asshole kept getting in the ring at the strip club show, and so I told the two wrestlers to take care of it, and they did. And Frank and I went at odds about it. Yes, it's wrestling, and not to go all Jim Cornette on you, but if we've reached a point where when some Mark gets out of their chair and touches one of the wrestlers, shit doesn't go down with frickin' wrestlers helping enter the fracas. What the fuck did you get in the business for if not to deal with situations like that? Bad enough, none of the boys have sex with rats anymore, you video game playing weenies. Bad enough, none of you get drunk or drugged out like they used to. But, God, you're not even going to get involved in a fracas when it presents itself and then mealy mouth and whine at Ace because he came out and defended his wife physically? Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. God. Come on. You can really tell that in a way that makes it sound really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Ace, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. all right. So, we, we're pro South happening. Tell us, tell us where. Tell us when. Tell us how to watch it. Tell us all that good stuff. Friday night, June nineteenth. Limited ringside yeah. remaining. Not a whole lot, but twelve dollars for those. Ten dollars for general. If you travel to the event together, you are allowed to sit together. If not, social distancing guidelines will apply, and you will be seated six feet away from the nearest person. Uh, doors will open at 6.30. Bell time is 7.30, as always. Our events are streamed live on YouTube every Friday. And you can find me on Twitter, my wife, ProSouth as well. All easy handles, ProSouth underscore. Super easy to find. Outstanding. Excellent. Well, Ace, thank you so much for being on. Uh, Larry, you going to get to Anarchy? Is that going to happen? Uh, that is going to happen. Yes, I will be here Saturday night. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Ace Haven, thank you so much for coming on and answering all our questions. And, by the way, Absolutely. giving a nice tip on how to deal with your um, respective uh, athletic commissions. I don't think anybody did it any smarter or better lately than Pro South, so you need to listen up and take heed of that advice. Thank you so much, Ace. Thank you, Larry. And I'm Stephen Platinum, and we'll see you in a couple weeks on The Tipping Point. 
thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.